This is inconstant. Hi everyone, I hope you are all well. Um, just a little bit of advertisement at the start of this week's pod. If you could support the pod either by um, using the tip jar or buying a subscription through uh, Setup in the link in the uh, episode descriptions, that would help me out a lot. Cheers, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Cool. Hello, everyone. This is a new episode of Inconstant. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the film About Time. My guest today is Deck, and I'm going to get your surname wrong again. <laughs> is Deck Bowering. Mm-hmm. Um, Perfect. He is a he's a 24 year old uh, uh, graduate of English from um, Aston uh, University in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. He's from uh, Hereford in the West Midlands. Um, he claims that's the real life home of the British version of the hillbillies. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we're currently going through the uh, COVID nineteen impact, so he's uh, working a supermarket job. Um, but like me, he's wanting to get into the uh, publishing industry mm-hmm. uh, and specifically uh, publicity. He enjoys uh, bike riding, dancing at nightclubs, which I think mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit of a problem at the moment. And um, he's been published in Vice uh, Australia about um, parents lost in grief and Metro UK about the pitfalls and co- uh, cultural barriers of the LGBT community and interracial uh, dating. How you doing, dude? I'm good, man. I mean, I'm going a little bit stir crazy. I'm not going to lie. Thankfully, I have to go out to work. Otherwise, I would lose okay. my head. Yeah. So I don't know how we ended up. I can't remember how we ended up following each other on Twitter. I have I no clue. I've, I've got a feeling it might be something to do with the society of young publishers. Possibly. I'm not entirely. It's like how yeah, you've got so, like that friend you've known like twenty years, and everyone there, yeah. and you go like, "How did we meet?" I, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, the same so, thing. So, so, so um, glad to hear that uh, you're okay. How you you you're coping okay with the the COVID nineteen? At least you're working and stuff like that. Um, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have been furloughed and that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. It's it's good. It, well, I mean, it's terrible that people are being put in these positions so as much as I want to just move on with my life right now we need to kind of lay back and pause everything to let this pass you know yeah I mean a lot of the I mean just talking from a personal point of view, a lot of the, the publishing roles have been kind of put on hold I've got a lot of emails from people saying oh this role that you've applied for oh, yeah on that hold until, yeah, yeah. So that's a bit I had a few of those <laughs> it was a bit disheartening yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's get set up. There's a question that's a in joke between me and my mate that also has a podcast uh-huh. called In Your Own Words. So uh, the first question I'm going to ask all my guests from here on in is, what is your favourite episode of Time Team? I've never even watched Time Team. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Never... That's that's that's. That, yeah, don't, yeah, don't don't worry about it. Um, that's it's just it's a question that she asked that I thought, why are you, you know, okay? I mean, in the context of her podcast, it made sense, but I just thought that's extraordinary uh, question to 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 ask you someone. Shoot, you shot your shoe. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Okay, so um, uh, your film is the 2013 uh, Richard Curtis film about time. Um, I want to ask, when did you first see the movie? 
Oh, right. There's a bit of a story behind this one. So long story short, my dad passed away as that film hit the cinema. And a few, a couple of my friends back then said, oh, there's this film. It looks really good. It looks nice. It looks quite cheerful and a bit funny. Do you want to go see it? And I'm there all moody going, no, I'm fine. Okay, fine, we'll go. And I'd seen the film with them in this little cinema in Hereford. And there's a bit later in the film where the dad dies and they had no, <laughs> no clue that it happens. And I was fine. I was laughing because the way they wrote it was so beautiful and funny. And my friends were looking at me the whole time like, is he right? Is he going to be okay? Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, nah, it's fine. So that's how I got introduced to that film. And I don't know why, but it stuck as one of my favourites of all time. That's that's really interesting, kind of. A lot it's of, a weird, lot of my, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit weird because um, a lot of my guests want to ask when they first saw the movie, they can't actually really remember mm-hmm. when they I saw think... it. It's uh, you know, it's kind of ah, uh, maybe when I was like a teenager, or uh, maybe yeah. I saw it on TV. But for you, that's quite um, a memorable. Occasion. I think it's just hilarious. I can still see their faces being. Are we allowed to swear? I guess not. I was proper like. Oh no, like yeah. <laughs> thinking I was just yeah. gonna combust or something, but no, no, it was great. I loved it. Okay, okay. and um, why why did you choose this film to uh, talk about? I chose it because just the way it's written and the way it's filmed, it's, it's beautiful, you know, to listen, to watch, to get into what they're saying. I love the dialogue with the characters, it's so it's beautifully written really like i wish i could spin off a few quotes but it's a way of making it seem really lifelike and quite organic that's just well written is the word i keep coming back to for it and obviously the way it looks like all these nice films like about time and let's see lady in the van and all this lot they make britain look so much nicer than it really is (laughs) yeah so i don't know how they do that but that's part of i think why i love it i love that sort of thing they do to it and I guess the themes really reach out to me too, obviously, you know, like straddling a life between a city and a rural place, I've done that. And then yeah. obviously the family stuff that happens, plus the touch of fantasy as well. It's about a time-travelling dad, for heaven's sake. So. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of... A... So I, when I've... So I, you know, to be upfront, I've... When I was looking at... um. Uh, Richard Curtis's um, filmography. I realised this is actually probably the first one of his films I've watched all the way through, um, and kind of I've seen a bit of um, Four Weddings. I had absolutely no patience with um, his love film. Um, what was it called? I wish uh, I know what one you're on about because I looked into his filmography. Love as well, actually. But... Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Actually. I hate those types of films. All of those films, I really can't stand. But this one seems to just jump out of the the picture for me. I'm not sure yeah. why, really. I just think it had something different about it. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll kind of be honest with you. The kind of second um, two-thirds of this movie had a lot of heavy lifting to do for me because um, the first couple of first 10 minutes I, I i was really struggling because i just i just thought the the character tim was a complete dick and <laughs> kind of like yeah that, you know that kind of like um that really gourmet friend that we've all got yeah, yeah that gourmet friend that we've all got um oh. and his his um kind of like his the, the first uh kind of like his, the opening um voiceover where he's talking about 
what his life was. And I just thought, I, if I met anyone like this in real life, I'd really want to punch them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, you know this, yeah, when he's describing his sister and all that sort of thing, I was just like, oh, God, you, you're, you're a dick. I don't know, I'd really, yeah. Poor so, Tim. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, poor Tim. So I, I don't know, um, I don't know kind of what you felt about the character of Tim or where he was. Um, so th this is a question I ask a lot of my guests as well. Do you think Tim is a dick? Kind of the, the main character in the movie, mm. do you think that person is is a I... hero or a villain? Mm, he definitely in sits in the middle because he, in that gorminess, he makes a lot of selfish decisions or a lot of yeah. stupid decisions. I even remember when, when I've sat and forced my friends to sit and watch it for the millionth time when I lived in Birmingham, it's just this they, they're all going at the screen going what the fuck are you doing that for why are you doing that you you're gonna mess it all up um so yeah he's he's thoughtless he's stupid but i think he's one of those lovable idiots who tries to do the right thing obviously he goes back to fix what he messes up and that's the crux of the film anyway yeah but yeah definitely sits in the middle somewhere for real yes. he's he's no angel and he's not evil yeah so um for me this film kind of uh suffers not suffers it has a bit of like that friend syndrome where like you like all the friends characters but you have, if you look at actually what their characters have done in the past they're flawed they're kind of as awful, well yeah they're very very flawed oh um, yeah arguably awful um awful people so it's just the, the performance and the, the the performance from um uh Donald Gleason makes oh, in other yeah. in another actor's hands it might have um made the character a lot less likeable and, and personable mm -hmm. i i agree with you on that one and going back to what you said about characters being flawed i mean look at his sister i adore his sister because she's this floaty innocent free spirit with a banged up old car and can't hold down a job and she sounds wonderful she sounds delightful but really she's a raging alcoholic with loads of problems <laughs> like yeah it's, it's so sad but it's that it's how they're spun and portrayed um and i agree with you the actor who that character was actually if it was in anyone else's hands it would have fallen apart i think yeah i think um, i find donald gleason a really interesting actor to watch on, mm -hmm. on screen um so you know his performances uh in kind of uh, films like ex machina and you see his performances in uh star wars and other films that he's been in and it just like the contrast between his the way that he he acts and his dad is just like you you wouldn't believe that the um, that they were related. related. His dad is yeah that kind of his dad is this big gruff hard looking um, Irish bloke and like Donald Gleeson obviously he, he's Irish but he 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 does accents really really well so um, yeah he he sounds pristine like that very very upper class white male London eccentric kind of thing and it's so you wouldn't think it's the same person so that's clearly someone who can do it well and he's so his character I don't know what he's like but his character is so meek and just absolutely lost all the time like it's a miracle he's got this quite high up in life you know <laughs> but he's still yeah I don't know I carry a bit of love well, for the guy really yeah I mean well he must have some kind of full disclosure I used to be um a solicitor so I know a little bit about kind of like a little bit about the legal profession so he mm -hmm. must have had something about him to get a um get a, a pupillage at what seems to be quite a high-end um barristers 
chambers. So you know he's he's obviously you know been to university, got a high, you know. Or daddy, of, um, all daddy, all the banker mummy and daddy, God knows, like yes, one of the two. Fair, yeah, I'm kind of th- that theme of you know, I hate the phrase white 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 privilege, but privilege does kind of run through the film a bit. It's kind funny of, actually. Bit... That is exactly what I was going to say to you. That's the only drawback about the film, like apart from the fact people online like to sort because I'm a bit geeky with film trivia and the trivia for this film was more reviews of people saying plot holes, plot holes, because it's time travel and it's hard to get it right. But um, one of the things I didn't resonate with as my kind of experience in life was how privileged they were. Like they have this massive, swanky, gorgeous place in London. Him and his girlfriend live in Maiden Vale in London, where and really like expensive, yeah, yeah <laughs> really expensive like the, area of she, London. Yeah. She's like a book reader who, like you know, like she has that accent, and she just lives above a lovely ornate shop in a nice flat. When I'd be living in like a, if I moved to London, it would be like a crammed thing above a takeaway that stinks. So yeah, it's what it is. It's so out of touch with normal people, but it's a beautiful tale wrapped up in a little bit of privilege, I think. Yeah, I think I, I think um, that is a common criticism of Richard Curtis's films is that, you know, when he he's depicting London, it's kind of like a fairy tale, oh, God, unrealistic yeah. depiction. Um, well, bring, well, bringing well, it back to the, the lady in the van, like as much as it's a story ironically about poverty and deprivation for this one lady, the neighborhood is one of the richest in that postcode. So, you know, we're not talking yeah, about I'm... like someplace in Barking that struggles with deprivation or anything. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I would like to see him one of his movies eventually. I see one of his, I've only seen one of his movies, but I can't imagine his movies ever featuring like a chicken burger shop. <laughs> or, you, know, you know, you know what I mean? Something, something like that, you know, like a oh, like... kind of like a. Yeah, something yeah, something of um something of that nature. Finishing um, the night out at like chicken cottage or something. Yeah, exactly, man. That's 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 where <laughs> that's where you're gonna be going after the um going after the mill. They're going to the, yeah, because um, you'll see me in the background. Otherwise, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So you mentioned kind of the the time traveling um mm. aspects of the movie. Um. I I find it quite interesting when so I would consider this um a sci fi film, and I find it quite interesting when. Sci-fi, sci-fi films aren't marketed at sci-fi as far as sci-fi films mm-hmm. and i was just wondering kind of what you kind of felt about that would you consider this more of a romance or a sci-fi movie or somewhere in between oh yeah you see that's the thing i would out and out say it's like a rom-com with a little bit of dramedy in it if we're talking every kind of amalgamation you can think of um yeah. i would say it's not sci-fi in the fact that sci-fi to me screams out like monochrome spaceships and robots going beep boop but because i'm just so archaic like that even though i know that's not what sci-fi really is yeah and the element of sci-fi is definitely there with the whole time travel thing that is purely sci-fi and fantasy and fiction rolled into one crazy quantum looping kind of bubble but yeah i'd say definitely not that kind of genre definitely in the romance okay so for me i would disagree with you so for me sci-fi is any um any story that uses science that science or science fiction 
uh, elements to explore what it is to be a human being and the time traveling aspect is definitely a science fiction um trope and it's kind of that's at the crux of um how these characters or how um, tim and his dad mm-hmm. you know what how they discover what it is to be the best person that they can be yeah. to themselves and to their the, the members of their families and the it's, you know it's definitely kind of a it's, oh, i think we're quite in an interesting period of time in fiction uh, at the moment because so many genres are getting kind of mashed up together so this is a sci-fi film with romantic and comedy and drama elements or you could say it's a drama film with romantic comedy elements and like the sci-fi is just kind of incidental yeah so it's just kind of a really interesting kind of um time time in the um type of fiction that we're going through at the moment i would agree with that i mean i could even go as far to say it is solely a drama that happens to have some really f- funny bits of dialogue written in on that look like it's just on the side because it's not rip roaring funny the whole way through as it's not meant to be but then we probably know as film fans and fans of writing that comedy funny writing has to be poured over and done ever so right or it will not hit so yeah it's so it's yeah. trying to think of pin, pigeonhole it is so hard yeah i think that's that's um that's actually quite correct as well um so as as a time traveling this kind of time travel what i really liked about the time traveling elements of of, of this film is that the rules made sense mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of time traveling films where kind of the rules don't make any sense and and because the rules don't make any sense there's no jeopardy and there's no stakes mm-hmm. so um I, I, is, do you want to talk about kind of a little bit about kind of you know what the stakes in the film are because when when, when the movie starts off the stakes in the film are kind of basically him not wanting to look foolish in front of this yeah girl and trying to fancies, get this then, girl and everything yeah and then um they kind of stakes actually gradually kind of get oh, bigger the, the stakes grow they get so bloody serious because he's having a ball of a time fixing it are, are we allowed to swear on here is it just yeah not? of course yeah man yeah no worries. Uh, so he's going and fixing every fuck up that he makes and it's brilliant it's great like all this crazy stuff happens obviously he's helping his producer mate get a successful play review and all that shit and it's brilliant it's going great then the stakes up when there's the fact that he nearly loses his kid in the way of he's gone back in time and that whole butterfly effect things happen he's squashed a bug and everything's gone all different and weird so that's the first that's the biggest crisis uh through probably about you know the midway point when there's always a good time for one and then I think the stakes, ironic, weirdly enough, though it seems calmer, the stakes get absolutely massive when he realises he can no longer go and visit his dad. He's going to have to close the door and revisit in his dad's life um, at the end, near the end of the film, because obviously, you know, his dad's like, oh, I'm dying now. You can't go back after then. Like, it's all different now. So the stakes very kind of like gradually go up and up and up in that way first it's oh my god lost my kid oh my god can't see my dad anymore it gets so serious like it's interesting yeah yeah mm-hmm. um in terms of like you know i i lost my father as as well kind of when i was uh 22 oh. and it's it's one of those weird weird things kind of you know thinking about kind of the relationship between father and sons and 
um, the things that you you know you'd want to go back and maybe do again or kind of do differently and you know let's get into spoilers but the film is kind of kind of old at the moment you know and you're in the you know, COVID-19 guys this is your opportunity spoilers from here and out guys um so one of the, the key decisions he has to make um as we kind of discussed is one of the rules is that if um if you go back in time after someone is born so you know he has a child he goes back in time to try and fix something mm-hmm. and when he comes back it's a different baby and um he talks to his dad he's like yeah if you if you go back in time after someone's born it's a different sperm mm-hmm. that goes inside it's a different thing it's a completely kind of different person so after your child's born you can't go back in time otherwise you're going to end up with with a different kid and yep. it just made me think kind of really one of one of the final dilemmas that he has is that you know if i have another child i'm not going to be able to go back in time and yep see my dad um so I'm just wondering what you, how that kind of hit home with you in terms of, you know, what memories you'd want to go back and share with your dad and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because me and uh, dad were always, it's a very on-off thing anyway. So there's things I miss and things that aren't there to be missed and things that I wonder about. But um, relating that into how the film evokes that kind of stuff, it's interesting because... I don't know why, but for some reason, it's always the very closing scene of the film when obviously they got a little actor to be the main guy when he was a kid and running around with the dad when he's all alive and healthy, despite the fact he don't look any younger and all of that stuff. And that's when I'm always thinking, oh, my God. But they've done it well because they've got that scene that is just. Well, it's not a particularly poignant scene. It's just a young guy running around with his dad, but because the dad's just died, they've managed to amp up that tension, well, that emotion, by doing a whole lot of not much, which is quite smart for writing. And it does, it did evoke those kinds of feelings of you know being on a beach somewhere with your dad, even though my experience definitely wasn't as classy as this. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think they just managed to tie something so deeply into something we can all empathize with and yeah. that's why i think it hit so well i think yeah um so i would say this is a very male-centric movie absolutely um, absolutely yeah. there is no leading characters you've got rachel is it rachel mcadams i think her surname yeah. is yeah. but um obviously this was a long time after she had her hate her hit with mean girls so obviously this was a nice lovely pivotal difference for her creatively and she did it so well and you're so right it's so male-centric it's, it's very very white male-centric there is no diversity like i would think this film wouldn't have been viewed the same or the plot wouldn't have been the same if mr curtis took himself to spark hill birmingham and tried to set it there or something like these yeah, are areas yeah. i've lived these are places i've lived in and i thought well this is like some kind of British utopia where everything's so nice and clean and classy and well to do. So yeah, yeah, I I do I do see that heaviness of the whiteness, the maleness. It's all the women are just kind of trailing along and being part of something, but not really. Yeah, I I would have liked um, like the most fleshed out character was was Tim's sister in a lot of ways. Yeah, like she had foibles and she had pluses and, and minuses. 
But, um, you know, I would have liked, you know, Rachel McAdams' character to sort of be a little bit more fleshed out. Um, you never yeah. think, when you're in, when you're in a relationship, um, there's always, there's always arguments. There's always pitfalls and stuff like this. And I don't really, never really got to see the negative side of, yeah. of, of, of the relationship that much. No, I was I kind mean, of, you saw that, but it was always tied into the main guy. Yeah. We never got to see Rachel. Mc... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And his gaze is his guys as well. We never got to see her sleepless and trying to look after this kid and going absolutely apeshit at him. But then we never know. We never saw a director's cut. We're not sure what we yeah. missed, but there yeah. is that um, as well. So, um, like I mentioned at the start, I like the, the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie just rubbed me up the wrong way. But mm -hmm. the, the last two thirds did, did quite a lot of heavy lifting and I quite, I, I, I ended up enjoying it quite a lot um, me, me too which is yeah, so weird because it's, it's not yeah, what it's, i would enjoy yeah so usually i don't typically watch films with kind of a romantic comedy element to them mm -hmm. that's um, the thing i only got introduced to it thanks to those friends who meant very well and <laughs> yeah got it yeah. accidentally <laughs> a bit wrong like i would never have yeah. looked at that i would have looked at that cover or the premise and gone absolutely not but yeah, for me, I've got a problem with romantic comedies uh, since I went to America when I was um, 16 years old and we had to watch um, My Best Friend's Wedding on loop, I think, about 13 or 14 different times in a row um, because it's my um, my cousin's wedding and she just wanted to, to see a nice romantic film and that was quite, <laughs> that was quite brutal for me. So that's, that's kind of um, that's put me off <laughs> a little bit. Oh. Um, yeah, um, no, that's enough to finish anybody off. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of what's the next question I wanted to ask you? Um, he was on about publishing as well, like experience yeah. in publishing if you get to it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in, in a bit. I'll, yeah, I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to, um, ask you about with, um, if 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 you had kind of like Tim's Tim's power, how how big a dick do you think you'd be? Because it's I think that's always an interesting question when you're talking about time type travel movies. And let's face it, Tim has got a bit of a superpower. How, yeah, fully. how much you would be abuse use and abuse it? Because I think he was quite meager in his ambitions with it. Because like his his own ambition was just oh, I just like to get laid, mm -hmm. really. Um, now, I'm not saying I'll do that. Wouldn't be one of my priorities, but there might be a few other things that I might be, I might, I might be, uh, be up to doing with that with that power. I don't know. I think I'd be only a couple more notches more excited about it than he was. I, I think I would fix up the the fuck ups that I make because yeah, I make a lot of those. Yeah, and maybe I'll try to like I don't know, just just. I don't know, rob a shop and then keep the money and then go back when yeah. it never happened. Maybe just try it once. I, I don't know how yeah. brave I would be. <laughs> that would <laughs> but that's be about an it. absolutely fantastic scene in the movie, though, if he'd done that, if he'd gone out and robbed a bank and yeah. you know, as he's being arrested. Or just held up like so a just, shop yeah. or something. Like, yeah, just, just something gone so back good. in time. Yeah, gone mm -hmm. back in time. All right, that never happened. Right, I know, I know what that... That, that, that would have been a brilliant film. That would have been a brilliant scene. Um, oh, God, yeah. In the movie. 
Um, I think it was too uh, too disruptive for the vibe. The whole thing is so lovely, yeah. and nice. Yeah. Mm. Um, I would have liked a few more of those. Um, it's it's a little bit of it's a little bit reminiscent of um, Groundhog's Day as well because he is going back in time to kind of um, fix his mistake, even though the rules of the university is already different. See, again, I would see consider Groundhog's Day a sci-fi film, even though a lot of people don't look at it as a sci-fi film because it's using a time travel mechanic to explore what it is to be um, a human being and kind of like the the human condition. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that's kind of a good chat we've had about um, the the movie. Um, both of us are kind of looking for work in publishing at the moment. I was just Ooh. wondering how that search was going and what you think about the current, um, how you think COVID-19 is going to affect the, the industry and stuff like that. So it's pretty abysmal. I actually tried for the first time to break into publishing last year as part of The Scheme by Penguin Random House, which obviously yeah. a lot of people know and some don't. Um, why not before that? I'm 24 now. Why not before? Well, I never thought I'd be good enough. It's just where I come from. Everyone's a cleaner or a carer or works in a warehouse. So that never really occurred to me as possible. Um, I think it, it's been going pretty awfully. Like I'm apply, I'd applied for all the entry level jobs, and lo and behold, nothing happened. Um, even the ones where, because it's such a close knit industry, even the ones where I sort of knew the name of someone personally and put that into an application, even though I won't say any more than that, it didn't come to anything. So I'm just thinking, what, what am I, you know, what, what's going to happen? And then as for the industry now. Obviously, I don't think it's fledgling like a lot of industries are because people are buying the books. Thank God for that. Like we are trying to get into something that's not going to die on its ass right in front of us, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, what I want to happen is publishing embraces flexibility, such as homeworking, not so London centric. Not everyone can afford to live there. Not everyone likes getting on the Northern Line at nine in the morning. I certainly fucking didn't. And all of these other things. Because I did two weeks experience for PRH in October in the end, the work experience. Um, whether I, I don't think they will embrace that change because publishing just doesn't seem to like change so much as an industry whole. I'm always keeping a grasp of what the conversation on Twitter is with publishing people. And shout out Sam Missingham, I love that woman. And she, we're always talking about how... Well, not me, but I'm seeing the conversation of publishing should change from the people who work in it, but whether it implements that and actually goes that extra mile, probably not. Probably still very London-centric in a very unattainable way, I think. Yeah, so, so um, my background in wanting to go into publishing, I, again, only looked to get into publishing last year, mm -hmm. really, but I'm really seriously. Um, so I went through a career, career change. I, I was a solicitor and then... I decided to didn't want, didn't want to do that anymore and decided to uh, volunteer at a theatre, which I was able to afford to do because I'd, I had a bit of savings. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's how I got into digital marketing. And I applied for the BAME, HarperCollins BAME trainee scheme mm -hmm. last year. And because I got through the second round of that, I think wow. they had 300 applicants and I got down to the last 50. That actually gave me a kick up the butt to say, actually, you have got something to offer this, mm -hmm. this industry. And you know um 
because like you, I didn't see anyone from my background, you know, someone from an ethnic minority, really high up in the publishing industry. It's not something that you, 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 you know, you see that often, again, people kind of, from, from your background as well, kind of lowest socioeconomic, it's very mm -hmm. mid white, middle class. In, in terms of like, yeah, go ahead. I was just thinking out loud. I mean, we even, it's a bit controversial, but we've even had that Twitter exchange where it was like, yes, my name's not Genevieve or Amelia, so I won't be getting a job in editorial anytime soon. <laughs> it's a bit yeah, bad to yeah. say that. It's, it's a bit naughty yeah. to say that, but where is the inaccuracy when I finally got a glimpse inside a real life breathing functioning publishing office for Michael Joseph it was everything that the stereotypes which people like to fight is on about it is not wrong and I felt it was a very middle-class environment I was sat at my desk and overhearing conversations about how was your weekend in Norway? And I'm thinking, wow, oh, oh, whoa, like, <laughs> I don't know anyone who's done anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Publishing's a really weird industry in a lot of ways because a lot of the people that do work in it are from middle class, privileged backgrounds. But if you actually see, if you see money that they're paid for the work that they actually do, like it's it's a joke do you know what i mean it's actually yeah. you know they, they it's kind of it's almost like um a career that you go into um for the love at, yeah for the love of it because if you you know if you see someone who's um working in the marketing department you see their wage compared to like the market rate elsewhere in other industries it's it's not it's not it's not the same man it's not the mm -hmm. same you're right um um, so yeah, you want to, you want to get kind of go into editorial, I'm guessing. More so, okay, um, so publicity, but you know, yeah. kind of, yeah, publicity. Um, yeah, so I, I want to get into kind of the, the marketing end of things if I can. That's um, really cool. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of similar path that we want to, um, uh, go on really. Um, in terms of, are you reading any interesting books at the moment to get yourself through COVID-19 or? I am, I am. What? I can, I love audio books. So what I'm listening to, I'll bring up now, is This Green and Pleasant Land by Aisha Malik. I love this. Oh, okay. Cool. It is seriously a cool, that. cool, cool, cool book. I would talk about what it's about, but I'll let you find out for yourself if you want yeah, to. It's um, very interesting. What I'm... Um, it's a bit of a geeky question. What um, audio platform are you using to kind of download your audiobooks? Is it all that, um, is it um, Audible or are you going for your local library or local library? Borrowbox. How are you purchasing? Borrowbox. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm I'm using Libby to download <coughs> my audiobooks because yeah, you know, I know we're both trying to get into publishing, but fuck Amazon. Basically, <laughs> I'm going to avoid kind of giving them as much money. Yeah, don't get me, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not scared of the big the big A like I did have audible when i was first like oh wait audiobooks what's this all about and i had their free yeah. trial for like ages and i loved it as much as i love spotify even though that's a bit of a it, that one kind of like in the industry puts one eye, eyebrow up and one down it's a bit like mm, you know like it's yeah. it's yeah. one of those but yeah i actually used the borrow box thing as a successor to audible because mainly because of you know i don't want to keep spending money but I've always had this system as well where I like to sustain an author. If I love a book so much on an audiobook, I will go to the author's website 
look at where they're selling it. Maybe it's usually through a link for their publisher directly or whatever. I will buy their book in physical form as organically as I can. If yeah, I love the that's yeah. Um, I always try and direct people to my local bookshop, which is All Good Books in North London. Mm-hmm. Please, please give, give those guys as much help as you can. They mm-hmm. got booksellers going through tough time so um gonna, gonna... before we do that i'm gonna shout out a bookstore also in north london west end lane books their twitter game is absolutely spot on and I, they seem so lovely and i can't wait to, to go there yeah um so kind of that last couple of questions uh dude what are the first three things you're going to do once we're out of lockdown go and party oh, God, <laughs> um I'll enjoy being able to just walk around the museums and galleries that will be open for the first time in a long time. And I cannot wait to go to McDonald's. So there's a, yeah. it starts off at the bottom, goes up and right back down yeah. again. Yeah. So I, for my, my free, I start off the bottom. I'm going to get myself a fr- greasy fried chicken burger oh. from my local, visit my niece who I haven't been able to hug or oh. hold in, oh, it's coming up to two months now. So that's quite difficult. And then, oh, damn. yeah, I'm going to be, going back to my jiu-jitsu club as well hey. so those are my three those are my three um three things um uh, is there anything about the movie that um you wanted to talk about that i didn't want to talk uh, that i didn't didn't come across in the discussion there will be as soon as we hang up this call i think of the most <laughs> spectacular idea in the world but i do the stuff i shoehorned in there without us really getting onto it like the classism of it is so prevalent i was it's that's a shame but like I say, what I want to know is how the hell, like I said at the start of this, how the hell do they make the UK look so bloody nice in all these films? Like, yeah. usually it's the UK, we know what it looks like. Why doesn't yeah. it look so lovely in all of these types of films? How? Yeah. You've got um, good, you know, it's good lighting, good, uh, good uh, set direction. As well, oh, I'm guessing it's, kind it's of, like, yeah. um, oh God, uh, what's that Netflix series that's a bit American looking? It's filmed near Hereford, actually. Um, Sex Education. I've not seen that. I've not seen well, that. When you do, you'll you the UK's never looked so bloody green and blue and bright. What the hell did they do to it? Is there some mad, mad, mad filter that I need for my iPhone? I don't <laughs> know. But I'm not going to lie. It you'll, you'll see it the same as these films. What are they doing? How do I do it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's I think uh, um, a good point to end on. Um, will you join me in telling everyone to stay the fuck at home? So, one, two, three, guys, stay the fuck at home, please. Stay the fuck at home. Yes, thank you very much, dude. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, dude. Thanks Thanks. for having me. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Bye.